you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on Andor, Tales of the Jedi, The Mandalorian, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? It's going good. Excited to be talking about another arc of Andor episodes, (laughs) which... Uh, needless to say, is going to be more exciting and fun stuff from what we got in these last three episodes. So looking forward to another good time tonight. Well, if my internet can uh, stay alive, then uh, <laughs> maybe I'll, it will be a good night. Who knows? But it's been the last 20 minutes of chaos. So hopefully we can figure this out and to have because, yeah, because listen, I've been wanting to talk about these Andrew episodes for a while and the show in general, to be honest, because there's been some reveals today a little bit and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. So, I'm uh, I'm I'm all I'm all about to talk about some Andor or Ander, some Ander tonight. <laughs> As Luke Cassie, and Cassie, Cassie and Ander, <laughs> Ander, um, Cassie and Ander. I'm, I'm sorry we weren't recording for you guys a few minutes before we started the episode when Paul was trying to get his internet issues all figured out, and he sounded like a I was EB nine for a couple minutes. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was Tim EB9. and I was cracking up, but. Um, I, yeah, excited. I'm a excited. Do you speak? <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like that guy, but you know, pitched way up. Sounded like a little Ewok I, or something talking through a, I, a droid I, vocabulator. Ironically, that was also that was voiced by um, what's his name, uh, Richard Marquand, the uh, director. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that little. Oh, trigger. I didn't know that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely excited to be back talking Star Wars and talking Andor with you guys. Um, and man, it's just been, you know, it's been a, a fun last few weeks. We've had a great story arc that we just wrapped up and it's been a lot of great stuff to watch in general. You know, we talked about the, talked about this on the last episode too, but you know, we've also had like Marvel and Lord of the Rings and house of the dragon and all this stuff going on at the same time. So it's been a fun time. I will admit in the midst of all that, because there's been so much other stuff to watch, um, I've only watched these episodes of Andor one time each, and I wanted to do a rewatch, at least of the most recent episode uh, before we jumped on here and recorded. But I admittedly was spending my weekend rewatching the finale of Rings of Power three times instead, because that's so far been my favorite show out of all of these. But um, Andor has been really great, too, and especially the last episode was a lot of fun. Um, and just had some really cool moments. Before we jump in and talk about Andor, though, let's real quick just talk about uh, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. 
which as we're recording is going to premiere in just a little over a week on Disney plus next Wednesday, uh, October 26th. And we got a cool new poster for that recently. Um, apparently, uh, review copies for that have also gone out to press now. And so I've seen people, um, saying, you know, so like be wary online if you don't want to see spoilers, I'm not sure how much people are going to be talking about it. Um, but also looking forward to seeing, you know, at least maybe some positive uh, initial reactions from people. Um, and I've also seen a couple people post like the run times of the episodes um, just now that they've, you know, they've gotten those uh, those videos and seen the run times on them. Um, and it looks like they're all between like 10 and 20 minutes. I think the longest one is like 17 minutes and the shortest episode is 10. Um, and the rest of them are all, you know, in that ballpark. So um you know it's going to be a, a short six episodes but um you know i'm sure i'm sure you guys probably will and i will as well just bang them all out in one night and then uh, oh, yeah. you know there'll, there'll be lots to rewatch and discuss and stuff and then of course still have andor and, and everything else going that week too so you guys <laughs> um, <in> andor. <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so we'll i'm going to be on vacation right after that so i don't know when we're going to get back on here and talk about uh, Tales of the Jedi, but we'll probably try to do a dedicated episode just for that before we get back to talking about um, Andor again. So uh, lots of fun stuff to talk about coming up here soon. And then, of course, we got Bad Batch coming the beginning of next year and Mando season three after that. So um, lots of fun stuff to look forward to. The Star Wars train is going to just keep on rolling. Uh, but let's get into this most recent story arc of Andor. And I think kind of like we did for the first three episodes, I know these ones were a little more spaced out because we had them, you know, one week at a time instead of all three together. But um, I think these all work so well just as a, a sort of cohesive story arc. Um, and again, I, you know, I wish I had gone had the time to go back and kind of watch all three of them together just in one sitting. But um, I think rather than go through like episode by episode, we'll just kind of talk about overall impressions and sort of the way that the yeah. character arcs and plot threads kind of built throughout these three episodes and then culminated in a spectacular finale with episode six. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, overall, what do you guys think of uh, these next three episodes? Well, if, you know, one of the things that I was really impressed with and I find fascinating about this whole series is the fact that it is that slow burn. And I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm I think I'm not going to be alone in this. I think, I, Tim, we've already talked a little bit about this in our private chat text group uh, with, with Kyle, obviously. Uh, but uh, I've already kind of said when I watch these episodes, watching four or five by themselves kind of it's fine but it's not the most engaging of you know of the star wars it's a really good drama but it's not the most engaging but when you tie it up with that episode six incredible and that's the thing that i i find myself just kind of like okay and it, it it feels like it's all rhyming and not in the way that i think it's a good thing necessarily as far as how they're releasing it and it feels like it's hurting the show a little bit, I think, from a mainstream audience standpoint. That's a, that's a, from my perspective anyway. And But I, I got to tell you, when I last Friday, I because everyone knows I like to wait and kind of I want to really enjoy and sit down and like really invest my time and my attention like a, a good fan would do, right, guys? Um, you know, and not wait in the middle of the night to watch it and 
you know, all that it, stuff. Anyway, I, I have, Andor's I, I been the exact that, opposite of my Obi-Wan watching, where it's been yes. Wednesday night. Good, good. Anyway, so the thing for me is where on Friday, I, I got a bunch of food, and I went and I just watched five, four and five. Actually, no, three, four and five. I'll even watch episode three. And I watched that all together in a row into episode six. Chef's kiss, man. I got to tell you, it was fantastic. And I had only watched those other episodes once, the four, five, four and five, obviously. And I, it was those episodes. I, I vaguely remembered stuff. I'm like, oh man, like I forgot about this. And, oh yeah, that makes more sense now. These episodes are a little bit more nuanced than I was anticipating. And I think they require a, a few more visits and a, a really invest investment show and this is going to be kind of a, I don't want to say this is a ripping on Obi-Wan, but looks like everyone, I'm a modern person. I tend to go on my phone during these things. And I just, you know, and even on, and casting Andor and Obi-Wan, whatever. And the theater makes me a lot better, more disciplined because I don't, I don't do that crap in the theater. And Wait, hang on. Home, you're giving us, you're giving us crap about watching stuff at midnight and you're like, oh no, I got to have time to sit down and enjoy it like a proper fan. But then you're on your phone during. Every mm, once in a while, I, I, mean, I get that. text messages. I get text messages. You know, come on. Anyway, look if you text me, if you this. text me if you text me in the middle of Star Wars, you can wait. Uh, I, all that to be said, watching it again all together, one through th- you know four and through six, all the way through, was such an enjoyable experience. And all that drama that they built up in those two previous episodes all pays off. And not just it's not just a, a slow burn. It is a genuine payoff that I think is better suited when it's all together. Um, you know, and I just yeah, I, I just me I, I just think it's 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 such a it was such a great episode six so incredible and it's built up so great by those other two episodes. It just bums me out. I do think, and I'll let it I'll throw it to you here in a second, Tim. Is I just think that they need to put this as like release it as three episodes at once. I think it well, it would be so much better. It'd make the event viewing people wouldn't just be like tuned it out and go, oh yeah, I forgot Andor comes out. It feel more rewarding to the audience. And I think when I watch it all, you know, episodes one through three, four, five, and six, and it's designed to be three episodes all as an arc, it just makes more sense to release it as one episode, so one special. And after watching Werewolf by Night give it to me because I had so much fun watching that all the way through and it's an hour long and or be just about what an hour and 20 minutes long. If you take out the credits, maybe, maybe an hour is a little over an hour, hour and 15, 20 minutes. That's where it needs to be. For those three episodes back yeah. to back, I think that'd be closer to like hour and a half to two hours. I don't know because the, you forget, man, that that last episode was like, what, like 30, like 40 minutes, but it's six minutes of credits. And you got to remember all the recap stuff. So it's probably almost maybe an hour and 20, 25 minutes if you put it here just of content. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But either way, I'm just saying, I think they need to release it. I think it, it helped the show because everyone's been analyzing all the numbers. Like I don't, I'm not sure how accurate these are, how real these all are. But basically, they're saying that this this show is, is getting less, per, you know, less attention as all the other ones and everyone's trying to say like, all oh, the other shows weren't as good, whatever. I don't buy that bull crap whatsoever. I think honestly, a part of it is the style of the show is just kind of tailor made for 
kind of just binge watching and it's not really it's not really event viewing at this point and you know it's just one of those things where i think that maybe that disney needs to think about you know maybe not maybe not now they won't do it now they'll stay to try to save face but honestly i think they need to really consider maybe doing one you know one special at a time once a year or once a you know once every three episodes or whatever or whatever you want to do reset a little bit in quarterly maybe instead of every week yeah i guess now with this arc wrapped up it's i think we kind of know the style of what the series is going to be kind of the first two episodes of a story arc are going to be a little slower pace but you know building up towards something that's going to have great payoff. I think we saw that in the first arc and even more so in this one, the Aldani arc, because I will say that I enjoyed these three episodes more so than the first three uh, right off the bat because I really loved uh, that fourth episode um, where Cassian first meets up with this, this his crew and we're just seeing, this is the type of stuff I was excited about for the show going into it, seeing different aspects of how the Rebel Alliance operates. I mean, it's not even the Rebel Alliance yet, but this pocket of Rebels, how they're operating for this mission and getting into the nuances and certain details that um, we just kind of took for granted as just watching certain Star Wars stories with the Rebels, where like, where do they get the money for the stuff and how are, how are they able to get the supplies they need, the ships, their equipment. And we got a little bit insight to that when Mon Mothma gets involved. And then seeing the side of the empire that we never got to see in live action before. I mean, seeing the ISB in live action, seeing how they operate, it's just a totally different field than what we're used to in seeing with the rebels and the empire, but yet it all still feels like it's part of the bigger picture and what we've seen of those groups in the movies and in the animated stuff as well. But I just really like that they're diving into some different aspects of those two factions. And it's just, really really well done seeing these sides of it that fourth episode really i thought did a great job of just giving us new nuances into the both the rebels and the imperial side of things and just how different members and part of their organizations operate and in totally different ways but it's just a lot of great stuff and then we got more into that into the second episode but like you said paul the payoff that we got in uh the episode the eye was just great things on all levels, it just from a visual standpoint, it was so impressive looking. And then just from a story standpoint and character development standpoint, it went in directions I wasn't expecting it to go, but it was all made the better for it. So I really enjoyed this arc. And it's going to be such, I think, an important and pivotal moment too for Cassian and his character as we move forward, not only this season, but probably in season two as well. I mean, this is obviously his first mission with a rebel group, but as it's left in that third episode, he's still, it seems like he's walking away from it, but we know something's going to pull him back into the cause. So um, yeah, just, I just really enjoyed the storytelling in this, these three episodes more than anything, um, despite his impressive visuals in that third episode. So yeah, I really, really dug this one. Yeah, definitely. You know, I wanted to go back to what you were talking about, Paul, about like just releasing these as three episodes. I, I've actually kind of been advocating for that. And like the, like I've enjoyed every episode. I think more so because yeah. you said like you said, you know, four and five you didn't think much of on their own, but then you really enjoyed it with six. I that's kind of more how I felt with the first three episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, agreed, premiere, like ep- episodes one and two, I was just kind of like, eh, okay, like, you know, it's it's got a good vibe. Like I, I like the visuals and the character setup and everything that they're doing, but like I'm kind of waiting for it to really get going. Um 
but then you get to episode three and I was like, okay, this really ties everything together. It's got more action. It's a little more exciting. And there's a little more just kind of stuff happening and, and payoffs to some of these setups from episodes one and two. Um, episodes four and five, I enjoyed more on their own, but also I'm kind of seeing it more in the reaction, just like from people online, but also people that I'm close with and that I talk to, like, um, you know, my wife is like kind of a more casual Star Wars fan and she like she really enjoys the Mandalorian and stuff, but like she's not super invested in Andor. Um, and I even have co-workers at work who are, you know, pretty big Star Wars fans. Like I've got one guy who told me, you know, like he he's like, you're liking Andor? Like, when's it going to get good? Like, I'm just kind of bored. And like, he hasn't really been key- like he's watched the first couple and hadn't really kept up with it. And I told him I was like, well, I think it might be better if you just wait, because I think he had watched through episode four. And then he hadn't watched five yet. And then, you know, six was coming out the following week. And I told him, just wait till six is out and watch four, five, and six all together. And I think you'll get more enjoyment out of it than just watching um, four and five individually. Um, and even my boss, who's like not really a Star Wars fan, but like he watches it just for for the enjoyment. And he was kind of telling me the same thing. He thought it was kind of slow and boring. And um, again, I think with this kind of story arc structure that they're going with, it would be a weird format because with streaming, everybody tends to either do the one episode a week or they dump the whole thing all at once. Um, but I think this would have been a good one to um, kind of try out a unique format and do just four weeks of three episodes each um, and kind of spread it out that way. Or even, edit, I mean, you could edit them together as longer like specials or whatever. Um, but I think keeping it in like the episodic TV format um, and just release three episodes a week and each of those three episodes be telling a complete story. I think that would have worked really well for this show and maybe seeing the the reception to it and stuff, you know, maybe that's something that they'll consider for next season. Cause I think next season is supposed to be even more kind of fragmented like that because each of these three episode arcs is like in the next season is going to be covering a year of time. Like there's basically going to be a, a year time jump in between each of those um three episode arcs sort of covering the time leading up to uh to row one so maybe something to consider especially if they want to try to switch it up to sort of improve the the numbers or the engagement or whatever because yeah like you said like there's been a lot of stuff coming out over the last couple weeks or whatever saying that like the and i don't know how they measure all this stuff but like the the engagement or the interest in the show is not very high compared to the other star wars series um and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think for one, and I saw somebody point this out on Twitter today too, and I had kind of talked about this before the show even came out, um, that just the name Andor like makes it seem like it's just about one character when there's really so much going on. Now from the trailers, honestly, I thought, like from the trailers, I thought we were going to be getting a lot more of Mon Mothma, a lot more of Luthan, a lot more of Saw Gerrera and the Empire and all this stuff going on. And while this, while all of that is playing a big role in the show, like now that it's out and we've seen it, I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess it makes sense why it's called Andor because Cassian is definitively the main character. Like the trailers almost made Cassian seem more like a side character or like, I feel like he had as much screen time in the trailers as everybody else did. But in the main, you know, in the series, you can tell like, okay, it's, it's about him. Like he's the central character of this story. Um, but I still think they maybe could have picked a title like Star Wars Dark Times or Star Wars Birth of the Rebellion or something like that that maybe alludes to like more going on than just, hey, here's a 12 episode character, uh, 12, 12 episode series about one guy. 
Um, and I also think, you know, obviously like the, the sort of slow burn nature of the series is part of that. Um, and obviously it's, it's working for some people and it's funny because, you know, we all enjoy it. Um, but it seems to be, you know, kind of split online. Like the reaction has been overall positive, but there's been some people that think it's too slow. It's too boring. At the end of every episode, you'll hear people say like, oh, nothing happened. But then you'll also hear people say like, this is fantastic. This is the best Star Wars ever. Every Star Wars should be like this. And like, I don't agree with that either. Um, I wouldn't yeah. say I like the show more than The Mandalorian. Um but you know, I don't close. think that I, I don't think that the Mandalorian should be like Andor, and I don't think that Andor should be more like the Mandalorian. I think they're their own separate Absolutely. things, and I'm glad we have both. And um, you know, I'm this I'm enjoying the show for for what it is, but it's just weird to see these two extremes where, like, you know, you have some people criticizing it, and then even when it's not getting like a lot of negative backlash, just seeing the numbers showing kind of a an overall lack of like major hype in it and i remember even when it first came out a lot of youtubers were saying that like um that they were seeing a huge drop in like engagement for their videos about andor and wondering if there was something going on like that youtube wasn't monetizing their videos or something like that but like honestly for me as someone who sometimes does watch like reaction videos to things um, especially like for the Mandalorian, I loved watching everybody's reaction videos to like seeing Luke and Ahsoka show up and stuff like that. Um, and seeing people's just, you know, reviews of the episodes and speculations about what's going to happen and stuff. And while I'm thoroughly enjoying Andor, I don't feel the need to like engage in that much, like in that kind of stuff for it. Like there's no big moments in Andor that I'm like, oh, I want to see other people's reactions to this. It's just kind of more of a thing where like, I just enjoy it week to week and I don't spend a ton of time thinking about it throughout the rest of the week. Um, and partially that may have to do with the fact that, like I mentioned earlier, that we have so much other content to enjoy right now. And maybe that's hurting it too. Like maybe being on at the same time as Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones is kind of hurting Andor in the same way that coming out in between Infinity War and Deadpool like hurt Solo. Um so I don't know. It's weird. There's, I think it's a lot of little things um, that have kind of led to just what is, again, what is sort of perceived as this general lack of interest of, in the show, at least in comparison to other Star Wars series. I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of talk about it. We're here talking about it. I know a lot of people that have watched it, um, but it just doesn't seem to. And it's, it's a very good show and a very well-made show. Um, and, you know pretty entertaining for the most part but it just doesn't seem to be like the big it's not making a big splash like you would expect a star wars show to well i think part of the problem i think is is that it is telling such a nuanced very much a dramatic story where the writing and the dialogue is, is, is really the emphasis whereas it's the exact opposite of what typically star wars is right and and i mm -hmm. think that that's kind of the it's not really the problem I, or it's not a problem in a sense to where I think the show has a lot of fans. And I think the show will also grow, obviously age well. It'll probably grow over time. I, I, I'm refraining from saying a very kind of disgusting thing. So I'm, I'm just going to not, not say it. But if you kind of know what I'm saying. Anyway, um, anyway sorry, disregard. The, the thing is this, though. The, the show is it's suffering from things like this. I'm going to bring up a good point. Because even if you break down these episodes, there's not a lot of meat on the bone as far as like Star Wars lore of like, 
oh my god like 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 again like you brought ahsoka and luke skywalker episodes and things like that like even in book of boba fett they're still pushing like lore of like the tuscan raiders and things like that like really interesting things you know there's a lot of people who love to hate on book of boba fett and i'm not one of them it's not the perfect show but I look at the first two episodes, it really, it really gave us a real in-depth look of the Tusken Raiders. Whether or not you love what happened and how it all looked, there, in the end, like there is canon-making stuff in that series. But that really is really interesting about the Tusken Raiders and even Tatooine itself, like that monster that came out, right? Well, what is Andor doing exactly? Not really a lot as far as that goes. There's some little things here or there, but they're just kind of filling a lot of the spaces and the gaps up. But the really emphasis is all on the drama. It's all about the characterization. And no, I think to me, nothing uh, puts this better than episode four, when it just abruptly ends out of nowhere. And I'm like, what? It's going to end right there. And it just felt like this is a waste of time. Not that it was bad, but it's just like, no, like, like people need to be more invested to, to really earn an episode like that. And that's what made me kind of go, you know, I love the show, but this is just not, you know, great, not editing, but it's not great planning as far as how to end these things, you know? And I think that part of the problem is they probably, they probably did have it written out in these kind of like big chunks of, of, of scripts and, and plots. And then you go, well, how do we, how do we separate all the episodes? Uh, I guess right here, right here, you know, but in the end, like, I, like I said, when you watch four five and six together, it's fantastic. And that's the, and to me, that's where you have to, you know, if you had a lot of lore breaking stuff in those episodes, episodes four and five, to be more engagement. But it's, that's not the emphasis of the show, just like what um, Tony Gilroy said in the first place. This is not an Easter egg show. And I think what he means by that is not just Easter egg, it's lore building. We're drama building. We're building the character of what it means for the Empire to put, you know, because the figurative boot on the face of all the different people in the galaxy and the people who all, you know, all the people who are trying to rise up. And also, what that means for other people, like we have in this episode, again, terrible things. Like, and that's another thing, problem too. There's so many characters, I'm, I can't remember everyone's names. And, you know, it's very Game of Thrones problem that way, you know, a little bit. Um, but, the, but the thing is, the, you know, th those are all good things to have. Like, I love this, this drama and the storylines and seeing the, this, these people who aren't really necessarily great people doing what's like joining the rebellion creating the rebellion etc cetera, etc cetera. the problem is i'm not sure if all the you know the people who want love star wars they don't they, they like that stuff but they don't love that stuff because they want to see the lore being being i think pushed further you know and i think the problem is there's a balance and i think that's what i think what's be real i think mandalorian season two especially my favorite some of my favorite star wars of all time I think does the best job of that where it has real, real legit drama, but it pushes the lore so much in so many different places. And it's incredible. And I think even book of Boba Fett pushes the lore and that even more so than Cassian has, you know, in, you know, six episodes, they've done it in one episode. And I'm not saying Easter eggs. I'm talking about like legitimate pushing the canon and really give us an insight into like the galaxy. The thing is with the show is that with, you know, you don't have, it, this is not, this is a human element focus. And I think the first time without, you know, because when we think of Star Wars, I think of fairy tale, fantasy, 
this is the first time where it's really the heavier focus on the science fiction the science fiction aspect and it truly is a political aspiration that george try to go into in a very delicate way for kids where tony gilroy and his company had went full in drama you know political intrigue spy thriller and it's interesting it's it's cool but again i think people come to star wars for lore for the fantasy element and for the fun a little bit and when you take away those elements it just it's it does kind of make you go huh especially emphasized when you do three episodes or you do it episode by episode by episode and there's not a lot going on from a story standpoint it's all it's it's all character focused not not plot driven that makes any sense yeah and i don't know this part of me also thinks too where it's kind of unfair to ask every star wars show to be like that like you're saying that event viewing or lore building and Mm -hmm. That's part of the excitement of getting or knowing we're getting a bunch of Star Wars TV shows on Disney Plus is the variety that we're going to get. And I think Cassian, or I should say Andor, is filling in that very nicely where it is something totally different than Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and Obi-Wan. As you said, Paul, those are really lore-building shows and they're amazing. And this is, so far, is doing is amazing in its own right as far as just really, as I mentioned before, getting into Absolutely. these different sides and aspects of the rebels and empire that we've never seen before especially in live action so it's just kind of i guess what your expectation is going into it and just as i guess expectation of star wars shows in general because maybe not when for casual v- viewers um might not want things to be have a variety in the star wars storytelling content and have it all be like the mandalorian and when it's not like that maybe they are uh, a little disappointed or not invested in it as much but for those of us who are just diehards are just really appreciating this type of Star Wars storytelling that is so different and just creating so much variety to have in these Star Wars television shows. Um, it's great. So I don't know. It is something that I'm not sure if like the higher ups at Lucasfilm or Disney or at Disney Plus is like pays attention to as far as trying to change course in that and making sure that everything has that big event type storytelling or TV show watching. But I just think I just hope they don't lose sight as far as I think Star Wars for Star Wars TV shows to not get um, stale for casual viewers or feel repetitive for casual uh, viewers. It needs to have these different types of TV shows where the tone, the content is vastly different uh, from each other. So, um, yeah, so I applaud it for doing that. And again, as diehard Star Wars fans, we kind of knew that I'm going into it hearing uh, those talk about it and, and Tony Gilroy telling how it's not going to be like another Star Wars show that we've seen before and how, like you said, Paul, it's not heavy on Easter eggs and all that. And it's living up to everything he described it to be. So for those of us going into it, kind of already knowing that um, it's something that it's living up to the expectations I think we had going into it, but maybe it's just not the same for everyone when specifically talking about kind of more of a casual audience uh, who uh, made the Mandalorian a phenomenon, really, <laughs> when that first came out, and maybe expecting that with every single Star Wars show is when uh, kind of the those of us who live, breathe, and eat Star Wars on a daily basis expected this type of storytelling going into it. You know, Kyle, before you jump in, really quick, I just want I want to add one little quick thing. One one, one quick thing. This very much feels like a comic book series brought to life. It really it really does to me. Um, and I mean that by I can see that, like yeah. a dark horse series, yeah, like like a, like a dark horse series where it really mm-hmm. is, and like where where 
uh, people who didn't really love Star Wars or they liked Star Wars, but they liked it for like the different reasons, which there are bad reasons, but they brought in a different element. And George really would push, you know, and say, now we want to do it all the same. Like people were, were, were encouraged to go different directions or really go hard, whatever way they wanted to. Again, I think it shows you the, um, the versatility of this franchise of this universe this or galaxy if you will um i just i, I just want to say that right, really quick i i think it's worth saying that this is it's different and it's 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 but it really does remind me of the original eu back in the day where it was just kind of like huh that's a little different yeah i mean it's it's certainly interesting to see and i mean you're right tim like not every one of these series needs to be big event viewing um and so I hope that Lucasfilm doesn't look at this as a, you know, an overall net negative. Oh God, please, please um, no. Give and, me I Jedi mean, in this in this context, for God's sake. Who, like, who knows? Yeah, who knows what the overall? I mean, none of us have access to like the the actual streaming numbers on Disney Plus, and I don't know if like these numbers that are being thrown out there by the media, if it's based on like number of views or number of Disney plus subscriptions or engagement on social media. And just like the amount that people are talking about the show. I mean, it's, it's sort of notoriously hard to tell um, really how, you know, how all these streaming, how well all these streaming shows do just because each platform has their own sort of viewership metrics and, and stuff like that. But um yeah i don't know overall you know i i hope that it's viewed as as a success i mean we're all enjoying it i think the show is fantastic like especially i mean it's it's just a you know it's different from that kind of stuff that we were talking about in in the mandalorian and like you talked about like the the big character appearances that are not just cameos but that actually expand the story and push the lore and stuff and or is much more like boots on the ground showing what the oppression of the empire and the birth of the rebellion is like for everyday people in this huge galaxy. And I love seeing that different perspective. It's just not the type of storytelling that lends itself to getting hyped about big moments every week. Um, and so it's, you know, yeah, of course it's not going to generate as much buzz as the Mandalorian. Um, and like I said, even for myself, just like, I don't, I don't find myself getting as hyped and as like super excited for it as I do for other things, but I'm still thoroughly enjoying it and I'm glad we have it. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the season and I'm looking forward to next season. Um, but I'm also looking forward to like the slow buildup to those big moments as we see yeah, more of like agreed. what Mon Mothma is up to. And as we see soccer Rara come in and we see more things with like, the rebellion coming together and it doesn't need to be a bunch of like familiar character cameos and it doesn't need to be like a, a giant battle or something. But I think we, as the show goes on, I think we are going to get more, you know, just more connections, more big things being built on top of these small things that are being established first. I think that's, that's kind of the whole point of the show is to show Cassian's roots as this, humble you know just street level like regular guy and showing how his story progresses from that to him becoming a hero of the rebellion so i think just by nature of that character arc the story is going to get bigger and push into more areas of the lore and more i don't know more characters and factions and events and things that we're familiar with um as time goes on so um yeah i don't know we'll we'll see how it goes but i mean for these three episodes like I said, I mean, the scale is already a little bit bigger than it was just in the first three, right? Because in the first three, it was just them dealing with, like, the local security forces on that the planet that he was on. Um, and now, 
we're starting to deal with Luthen and Mon Mothma and getting into kind of their schemes against the Empire and getting hired onto this crew that's going to steal from the Empire and stealing money that, you know, is supposed to be the payroll for this entire sector. So we're already getting into things where it's like, okay, this is affecting more of the galaxy than just, you know, Cassian's little bubble and just his personal life. Um, and I get the feeling, like, I, I think the dots are going to start connecting too between like these events and the events from the first three episodes. Um, I think there was an interview with like one of the actors this past week that I saw where he even mentioned something about like all of these events kind of dovetailing by the end of the season. Um, and even like the, the security guy that's now like essentially living in his mom's basement, um, you know, I'm assuming is going to end up back with the empire at some point and maybe hunting Cassian and that, all these little things are kind of going to kind of build into, you know, maybe him having a bounty on his head or having a, you know, a reputation where like the empire is after him and now he's, he's done some things. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's going to continue to get bigger and build and hopefully it won't just be sort of repeating this pattern of like two episodes where, you know, it's kind of a slow build and then one third payoff episode, hopefully as, as the, second half of the season continues it continues to build on the momentum of these first two story arcs and uh kind of just keep getting bigger and bigger by the end of it well and, and one of the things that i i i've been really um just kind of enthralled with with the show is the fact that you're really diving into these uh characters and they are like they are interesting i love seeing this different side of the galaxy of get into the heads of the normal people like that is fascinating and that's the part that's kind of a bummer i think about this whole andor thing about people be, it's not getting engaging as far as with the mainstream audience and not like being like huge numbers for all these people who are trying to make money off of it like like youtubers and things like that and that's not a slight i'm just being real like it sucks like you know it, it's because that does it's indicative of, of as far as what people are interested in because there is so much interesting aspects of that now with that being said you know, there are some surprises that I'm, I want to kind of throw some out there because Cyril has been one character that I've been fascinated with. And I just love, like, just seeing him, his interactions with his mom and, you know, that whole, like, just seeing that really, like, overbearing mother family kind of like, oh, hey, like, you know, like success is built on, you know, your, stat your, your status and your success is built on how successful you are in your job. And where are your prospects? Where you know, I, I assume you don't have any prospects. And he's just like, uh, like this sucks. I'm gonna call the, I'm gonna call Uncle Her Uncle Arthur or Uncle Harold, whatever his name is. I forgot his name is. Um, but I want to pitch this to you guys. Do we know who that uncle is? Do we have it? Has it been confirmed yet? Because I, I have a theory. Not that I've seen. I actually kind of forgot about <laughs> that his uncle okay. being mentioned in the episode. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that too. Okay, all right, guys, hear me out. What if the uncle? is the head of the security ISB. Hmm, I could see that. So Admiral Yularen? No, 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 no. The guy in the, the, the freaking, what's his name from Game of Thrones? He's just like terrible names. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, to be honest with you, like, I'm usually really good with names. And I remember, I remember Cassian, obviously, and Mon Mothma. Of all the new characters, like, I remember Luthen. Um, yeah, Luthen's good. I remember... Bix Sinta, and Tim yeah, and you know Cassian's friends from, yeah. from the first three episodes um honestly like B. all the new characters that he's with in the crew in in this these these three episodes I don't remember most of their names the, um, I, I remember Vel I remember Vel and I remember Cinta 
I don't remember. Cinta, um, that's, yeah. Yeah, Cinta's cool. Cinta's interesting. She really... She and who's really, the, the, like, the guy that's like their inside Imperial guy? Is he like Lieutenant Gorn or something like that? Yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, so yeah, but, like, um, I don't but, remember like half the names. So, but anyway, my 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 theory is this: I think that's his uncle, and that's going to help get him into the into the empire because obviously they've done a good job of building their these stories. I've said before, there's going to be a there's going to be a, a parallel between Cassian and Cyril, and you. I love the little nuance of him look staring at the hollow of Andor, like I'm going to get you, mother effer, you know, like kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So. I think Uncle Harold is. He's. Like, I'm gonna call on the favor. I was like, oh god, it's hilarious. You know. Again, I love like this, like, like almost like it- uh, Italian, like uh, mob kind of idea. It's like, it kind of feels like a little bit. It's weird. I don't know. It's not really mob, obviously, but that whole idea. It's, it's what it feels like, and the fact that they're gonna call him this favor. I think that's. I think that's the guy. The guy from the head security guy. That you know, the other two characters are all fighting over whatever his approval. I think it's gonna be him. Because if he can like somehow manipulate Searle into that, like get his get his start into that, maybe he's maybe he's the one that he, see again the blonde lady. I forgot her name. Um, what if he gets her into into like the um, ISB and he helps her figure out that these are too random? Like you're right. Like I know these people. I know how to hunt. I know where to look for these people potentially. And help, I know Cassian Andor is one, is one is a key to all of it, and it's going to be probably a coincidence that he that he even assumes that because Cassian right now is not involved in anything, but he's kind of been put put into it kind of uh, by force by Luthen. So there's lots of interesting. See, this is what I'm saying is that there's lots of interesting things here. It's just not lore building, like you know, leading to different mega mega things. It's all character based and really based on hatred and revenge and all it just again this is the nuance stuff I love about the show all these characters yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly so anyway yeah i i just want to say that uh, that's my first kind of real legit prediction that i think i hope i actually i'm, I'm gonna buy into my own hype i really hope that's true yeah possibly we'll see i i had wondered if that was maybe going to be some kind of outside imperial character that we haven't met yet um but yeah, it very well could be, you know, that guy that's the head of the e- the ISB or, or somebody else in there as well. Um, it's been interesting seeing their storyline and kind of these like inner office politics. Um, yeah. <laughs> of like, you know, fighting over like, oh, well, this, you know, this happened in your sector, but like first, the, you it's know, too he, real. Had an, he had an object that was stolen from my sector and, you know, everybody, you know, kind of trying to step on each other to get to the top of the ladder um it's too real guys it's too real oh yeah no i'm sure <laughs> especially you know luckily i haven't had any workplace experiences with that but you know I, i'm sure there's definitely some real world truth to that and then you add to the fact that you know the the or add to that the fact that they're part of this tyrannical galactic regime that's built on you know power and control and so of course everybody's going to be out for themselves and trying to gain the most power so um yeah, and that's also, been fun to watch. And I really just enjoy seeing, you know, these these inner workings of the Empire in general, especially because like, so again, the first three episodes, it was just like the security forces that were obviously loyal to the Empire, but like these were not Imperial forces. This was like the first baby step, you know, bottom rung on the ladder as far as like Imperial security goes. 
Um, and then throughout these three episodes, we see a lot more. We see TIE fighters. We see Imperial officers. We see Imperial troops in armor, but we still have not seen stormtroopers yet, mm. um, which I love because I think... I, I love kind of like slowly peeling back the curtain and getting these slow reveals of like stuff that we already know yeah, and are same. familiar with. Um, but to Cassian and to like regular uh, people in the, in the empire, I'm sure seeing stormtroopers show up is terrifying. Um, especially when you have local security forces and, you know, other Imperial troops that are not stormtroopers, the stormtroopers are kind of like the elite. Um, even though, from the movies you know we're used to seeing them just be kind of cast around like cannon fodder um who can't hit anything because the you know the main heroes have plot armor and of course they're not going to get gunned down by the regular soldiers but like as far as the day-to-day -day operations of the empire like you know it, it's kind of like um you know to use to use real world uh parallels it's like you know you dealt with like corporate security and now they're kind of dealing with like the police and the fbi and then like the stormtroopers would be like things getting bad enough that you're sending the military in you know sending in the army or whatever so um i think it's going to be a big moment when they show up and um you know seeing these these guys that we're so familiar with and maybe don't think much of to see them portrayed through the eyes of like normal galactic citizens who are terrified of these guys and seeing them show up and mean business, I think is going to be really cool when we see that happen. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's one of the aspects I'm really loving about the series. And we talk about the, the first few episodes of an arc being a slow build, but I'm loving the slow build of showing the empire as you, as you talked about and mentioned Kyle, I just think that's been a brilliant way to go about showing, telling the story. Because we know, like you said, they're coming. We've seen them in the trailers, but it's just, I think, going to make it that much more impactful and special when we do see them. Even though, as you mentioned, we've seen Stormtroopers tons of times before in the movies, but they're, I think they're really going to be shed in a different light once we do see them in this series. And we know that also the cream of the crop is coming with some Death Troopers being involved as well. So once we get to that level, I mean, that's when you know you hit the ultimate oh, point of things, things really going down. Um, but watch, also, dude, watch to really quick watch the Death Troopers get taken out by like the the punkest of all punks, like like oh, B, man. like the droid B, like take oh, out like, a whole like troop of them, <laughs> by, like like light them on fire. Like, hold on, Andor, I will save you. Like, <laughs> and also he started blowing up. The B does something like really awesome. Uh, one can dream. Don't, don't take my joy away, Paul. Please don't. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But another cool thing I like too in this arc was just how great it was at being back on Coruscant, but seeing it for the first time in live action under Imperial rule. I mean, just that shot that we get of the ISB building and you see that Imperial Dude, logo. Program, it's just such, it was such a trip to see. So I'm just love diving into this part of this, of Coruscant during this time period now. And just so it many. Cool amazing. Stuff. Yeah. It looks incredible. So not only just that, but then Luthen's um, shop where he has like his art shop where he has all these, historical artifacts and just seeing that side of Coruscant and just I love how that was kind of the front of his dealings of, with the rebellion how Mon Mothma has to go in there um, as a customer um, acting like she needs to buy a gift for her husband and yet they're secretly doing business and trying to he's trying to get money for the Rebel Alliance and the Mon Mothma selling now it's not easy to, for her to keep doing this Every, there's eyes all over her and she, just how difficult it's becoming that's another aspect i just really love of diving into with the rebel alliance and just how 
they're operating just how hard it is for them to do what they're doing, especially kind of during this stage where they're not a fully formed alliance yet. Just some of the things that they have to do to keep the hope alive, really. So I just loved all that aspect of it. And because that was some of the stuff I was really excited for, just going into the trailers, getting more on Coruscant with Mon Mothma. I do hope we see more of the Imperial Senate because we know we got a taste of it in this last episode where the news has come down about uh, the rebel attack on Aldani and the theft of uh, the credits that were on there. and But it was just such a quick sequence. and But it already showed just how different it is. I mean, it didn't look like a fully uh, formed or f- a full session of the Senate in that. There's like a lot of empty pods. Not everyone was paying attention, it seemed like. But it was probably just could have been because of the news that was breaking. But I just hope it's that's not the only time we're going to see the Imperial Senate. I would lo- really love to see kind of a full session where we see the moderator, even if it's not Massimeda being the one presiding over it. But just to kind of get a full look at how the Senate operates within the Empire. So we got a taste of it, but I hope there's more to come. Um, but yeah, so just getting Coruscant back in these three episodes was just really, really cool. Just diving into how Coruscant is during this era of the empire. was just, I dug all that stuff. Yeah. Coruscant, the Senate, all the Easter eggs we got in Luthen's shop. I forgot right. that we hadn't talked about that. Yet, Cause I think that was in episode <laughs> four when, when yeah. you first see that come up, but Holy crap. I mean, you had the star killer armor from the, uh, the dark side ending of the force unleashed. Um, trying to remember what else was in there i, well, I know he he, he was showing off to his customer he had like a, a Udapau and like stun baton or something there was like a wookie helmet but then of course you have like the tablets with yes, the hands from the, the from the mortis <laughs> mural from um from rebels like that that was probably the one that like i almost jumped out of my seat i was like wait what because i'm scouring yep. the background looking for like you know homages to like indiana jones or you know like there was also like a, a jedi and sith holocron up there and you're looking for that kind of stuff in the background and then you see the mortis symbols and i was just like and they said there wouldn't be easter eggs in this show like that <laughs> one blew my mind so that was really cool yeah let's get a story on how Luthen got his hands on that i mean i would love to know well yeah speaking sure. really quickly i want to talk about um some of the mon mothma stuff which kind of was i gotta tell you guys like they gave some complexity and some depth to Mon Mothma that yeah. I was like, I was mm-hmm. not prepared for. Same, and yeah. you know, with with her husband, I mean, like this is this is the stuff that I'm like, man, this is gonna be such a bummer when people don't watch the show because there's so much great depth of great storytelling. And uh, is it Dalvin his name? I think that's his name, Dalvin. Am I right? Am I saying her his husband? name right? See, yeah, is it Dalvin? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> See, this is, there's so many damn names. Regardless. I mean, just the fact that you've seen them interact and there is like, you see the marriage. I mean, like it's total breaking opposites. apart. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and just, a, but, but at the same time, you wonder like she, the fact she came and tell her own husband that what she's doing, that's a big deal. And, you know, cause I mean, there's, there's already mistrust on like something like that. What else? I mean, that's just a, it's a byproduct of, of what else is going on in the relationship. And I think that's just, and they've really done a great job of showing that. And the fact that Mon Mothma had a daughter, I had no idea. So, you know, there is a yeah. little bit of lore building. Now, granted, like, it's it's kind of inconsequential stuff a little bit. I mean, but you do have to wonder, like, where do these people fit into her joining the rebellion later on? And, and honestly, because here's the other thing I want to point out. And I thought this, this has been very well done so far. Is Mon Mothma, when we see her, 
in um, Return of the Jedi, and even into the other um, in the Yavin and things like that in Rogue One, she's wearing a very basic kind of gown. It's very, it's very like I don't want to say frumpy, but it's just very plain and, and in a good way. Like she's just, it's not supposed to be nice and high class. It's very just, very just modern and just very basic and, and unassuming. Is probably what I'm trying to say. And now when you walk, you see her walk around, she's wearing like really nice clothes. I mean, like it's done a, the costume people have done. I mean, I wish these people, maybe for all I know, it's probably the same people that worked on with, with Last Jedi. This is not the Last Jedi thing on Dig necessarily. But my biggest, a big grip I have of Canto Bite is it looks too real world to me, you know? And that was one of my major problems. Like they're wearing like tuxes. I'm like, this looks like a tux I'd wear like anywhere. And, you know, and I'm just like, what the hell? You know, I don't, I don't like that. They took me out of it. Now, when I look at this, and for all I know, this is the same costume designers and what I don't know. But either way, I have to give a lot of props to the designers of the show for the, the clothes they're designing for their, their nice wear because it still feels like Star Wars. It feels straight out of episode three to me. And I love mm. it. And especially her husband. Like, he just looks he looks so ridiculous, but he looks so Star Wars. <laughs> and and I, but I mean, in a, in a really compliment, a, a big compliment. I think Mon Mothma looks like a high-class Star Wars lady. But in, in all those shots in, in Coruscant, I mean, there's so much great storytelling and, 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 uh, and acting from these people. I just, I'm on Mothma, I, I just, she's done so much. And, and, the, and the actress playing her, and, and just, I'm glad she's being rewarded with something. Because here's the thing, guys. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, she's going to be, I mean, I hope people see this. And like, I see people, I mean, like people are making films and whatnot. They see this and go, Hey, this, this lady can act. This this lady can, has a you know again she has a presence. She really does a great job. Hope it opens up some doors for her because she's doing a good job. She's holding her own with freaking um, you know Skarsgård. And, and and let me just say this right now too. Uh, I can't get enough of Ruthen. He might be becoming one of my favorite characters. Like he, like it's getting. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, I love it. Every time he's on, I'm like, yes, more Luthan. And not because he's hilarious or, you know, he's hilarious but in some ways. But I love this this real, like, this Skarsgård, he just nails this character, man. I did love seeing him when he first meets Andor. I love the two sides of he, he portrays the people. I love that. I think it's perfect. And, man, I got to tell you, when Luthan and her and Mon Mothman are talking, it's tense. I love it. I love the, this, the intensity of the, both the characters. Duh, so good. Yeah, no, it is. It's really, you know, cool to see those layers added to her character, especially like seeing her home life. And I love the the way that this show is kind of adding complexity to all these characters. I mean, we see this with Cassian where like he kills a guy in the first episode and he kills a guy at the end of the last episode. Um, and he's definitely, you know, kind of treading some morally gray area. But then, yeah, even Mon Mothma, this like hero of the rebellion and you see her home life and... It's interesting because I saw something on Twitter and I'd have to go look more into this, but I saw something about her and her husband maybe even being like in an arranged marriage. Yeah, so I, re I read like, stuff like that too. Yeah. yeah, so it's not even that like they're fighting or they have a bad marriage. It's just like it's more political and, you know, maybe for family power or whatever. But like they're clearly kind of just like doing it because they have to or like this is just kind of the arrangement or whatever but like they're clearly not like deeply in love with each other um well no and this he's point. and and he's clearly well yeah but for all we know they may maybe never have been i don't know um but i i, but he, I don't I, I don't get that impression i don't get that impression 
That was that's kind of the impression I got. Again, it was not so much that they're fighting or that they hate each other, but just that like it's just one of those marriages where you just kind of tolerate each other and like you're both getting something out of it, and so you just kind of go with it. Um, Welcome to marriage. He's he's (laughs) well, that's not how marriage is supposed to be. Well, just wait a couple years. Life gets complicated, but listen, all 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 I'm saying, all I'm saying. I'm gonna say this. I think that the has that has not that has not been my experience. But regardless, well, he's he's clearly happy to sit there and benefit from the imperial machine, right? Like there, you see that they have opposite goals. They're involved in different things in the Senate. Like he's got different friends than she does. Um, it's not like they're partners in this rebel thing. Um, and he's got his own. You know, he's throwing a party, or he's he's. It seems like. He's clearly like on the imperial side of things. Um, I really wanted to see that dinner party too with Sly Bor being there and yeah, yeah, that was a, a, well. A and, and when Mom Mothma, like, see, I missed this stuff when I watched it the first time because when she says to him, like, "Don't sit me next to them," like, they're, they're I'm, a, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going up against them for basically making weapons, destroying like these people. Like, don't put me with these people. And he's like, fine, I'll put them over there. They're more fun anyway. I mean, like. I just there is a that's great story. It's great drama right there, man. Like you're just building, like you're you're building their their tensions of like these two things. You're you're, you're establishing character, not just for him, but for Mon Mothma to the mainstream audience. Because you're like, oh, who's this lady again? You're establishing that she is radically against these things, even you know, on top of what she's trying to get money for Luthen. And there's a legitimate reason why like, you're seeing it all played out so naturally. And that's the thing about the show that I think that people are going to always overlook is that they, it naturally builds character, explains plot so naturally that people don't have to think about it. Whereas like, you know, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian to an extent sometimes has to be, again, you're, it's, it's, you know, it's different audiences. Cause I would say, Andor is probably one of the, it's not exactly family friendly. It's just not family. I would say it's not family um, cons- consumption. I would say it's not like a family you'd all want to sit down with, you know, if you have young ones. Like if my daughter's like six years old, I'm not gonna make her watch Andor. I'm like, yeah, you watch it later when you're older. You know, not because it's inappropriate. It's just, it's just not gonna be interesting. Yeah, like I don't, but, I don't think kids would get a lot of enjoyment out of this show. Yeah, but 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 but, um, the, but the thing is, there is so much great. There's great stuff here. That you don't get in the, you know, you don't always have that kind of uh, natural great storytelling like that dra- dramatic storytelling developing these characters in the shows like Book of Boba Fett and things. Not, 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 not saying yeah. you don't, but not as much. It's not emphasized. No, as no, much this as, is like, this show. is definitely just like much more mature and more nuanced. Um, and then even you know with so that's you know the dynamic between her and her husband but then bringing her daughter into it and it's funny because like we're clearly rooting for mon mothma right like she's the one that's helping the rebels we know she's going to go on to be a rebel hero whereas her husband is just kind of this guy that's you know happy to play politics and make money and and play ball with the empire um and so you would think that like she's the one in that relationship that we're rooting for and then yet like her daughter seems to have a a pretty close relationship with her dad whereas mom mothma seems like she's kind of more of an absent mom um and i don't think it's necessarily now it could be like a a character flaw where she's just not a great parent and we're seeing that like that's part of her character like she has flaws just like any good character does but i think it's also showing that like the work that she's doing behind the scenes because she has to you know kind of work her regular day job 
as an imperial senator and keep up appearances and then she's doing extra stuff behind the scenes to kind of help pull this rebellion together and i think all of that is kind of pulling her away from home and pulling her pulling her away from her daughter and so we're kind of seeing the the toll that this takes on her home life um but again just adding that nuance there like mon mothma is a, a great character a great person a great rebel leader and hero and because of all that she's not a great parent because she has to sacrifice some things so i thought that was a really interesting side of her that we haven't seen before yeah i'm just curious to see where it's going to lead to the relationship with the family as we get into the original trilogy where she's kind of just full-blown part of the rebel alliance where it's going to leave things with her husband and her daughter moving forward because at this point right now what we still seen of them in these first two episodes, it doesn't seem like they're going to be joining her with the, uh, with the rebellion <laughs> when she kind of goes full yeah. in on that. Yeah. And so maybe this is going to end up costing her family, costing her, her family in the long run. Um, but that's, you know, it already seems to be something that she would be willing to sacrifice since she's, she's spending so much time away. I love that line though, when she's in the car with her husband and she's talking about, setting up some charity or something um or she she talks about like a, a new organization that she's founded or, or something that she's involved with and her husband is like oh i didn't know about that or you didn't tell me about that she's like oh you wouldn't be interested and he's like oh why and she's like because it's a charity um <laughs> so you clearly see that this guy is you know he's he's in it for the money with whatever he's doing and isn't into you know charitable causes and stuff but that allows her to kind of do her own thing, operate on the side. And clearly that's, you know, it's whatever she's got going on with Luthen and, and the, re the rebellion. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see that continue to develop. I'm also interested to see like, like just between Mon Mothma and Luthen, like how many other people do they know? Like how, you know, how, who are they connected with? How big is the rebellion at this point? I mean, it's, it's clearly still, there is no like rebel Alliance. Um, but we know because this is around the same time as the beginning of Rebels. Like there are other Rebel cells out there. Bail Organa is also out doing his thing. And we know him and Mon Mothma are allies. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just interested to see like how deep in this are they? Like how many connections do they have? Like, you know, sort of where is this whole thing at at this point? Um, but again, I think that's something that's just going to continue to build and grow over the course of the show, especially once we get Saw introduced and and seeing kind of some different Rebel right. action and stuff. So. Well, you know, and, and kind of, you know, going off a little bit of that and into, I think, like the eye itself, um, you know, because I think the first two, the first five, you know, four and five are episodes or solid building episodes, but they're not terribly intriguing. The thing is, when you get, we get to the eye in that whole episode, it really does put a lot of things in perspective. And the one thing that I would say that I was impressed with and they did a good buildup for was the guy um i'm trying to find his name he's gonna it's gonna escape me oh it's right here it's uh arville Ar is that it arville is that what his name is yeah skiing like arville skiing i think oh skiing okay arville skiing. oh yeah. skiing so, okay okay yeah, yeah i'm like yeah. who's arville but yeah i know who skiing is so that being said um i with the whole heist thing the build up it it definitely was like i wouldn't say predictable but they definitely build it up over time and there's, I love the tension between Vel. I thought Vel was really interesting. It was funny. As soon as I saw her, I went, oh, Game of Thrones. I know her. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a classic, right? Um, Wait, who was I she liked, in Game of Thrones? She was the waif. Um, she's like, she's really? Like, she was? Oh, yeah. 
okay, yeah. See, I didn't even recognize her. Yeah, no, I didn't either. I was like, she's in Game of Thrones. She just looks like she has this Game of Thrones like persona. Um, you know, I love the whole buildup of like, you know, you don't need them. It, it, I liked it, but again, I think in episode format, it doesn't work as well. It feels repetitive, but when you watch it all together, it's I think it works beautifully. Now I say all that to when we get to the the the, um, the, uh, the eye. And the eye was, I loved the build up to like, it, it was a, I, I want to say the eye was probably the best, I would say maybe, maybe some of the best Disney Star Wars ever. Maybe. It just might be. Because, and, and now I say that because you have these four and five, you know, episodes four and five build that up to it. But there is so much great payoff with this. And it, it's, it's small. And that's the cool thing about it. But there, there's something, but I think to me, it's, it's a great microcosm of what Star Wars can be in a, such a small level. And this was filmed, what, in the dead, dead set in the pandemic. And I always tell people online, I'm like, you can tell it's a pandemic show when you see this, but things are, are very, you know, you're, you're supposed to be in a city and it's all like, you know, barely packed or whatever. It's like, it, it try to like shoot around it and try to do different things and angles. And you can just tell it's just not, it's no one's firing all cylinders because they're in, it's in the COVID era, right? Andor is that, but it never, fe- it feels so, the, the way it's shot is so cinematic that it never feels small to me. And I think this was a great example. Of, I think um, Susanna, um, the, the, the director, her name, Susanna uh, something, she just knocked it out of the park for these three episodes, man. I, I got to tell you, I thought she did a great job of, of getting a lot out of nothing as far as the action and not having a lot, like a lot of, uh, you know, just movement in all these episodes. When you get to episode six, she does so much with angles and really, and the build and just, I don't know. I, I have to say like, there is so much great like tension building in this episode of not just the, what's on the script, but I think of the, of the, of the pacing of the angles she showed, she chose and how she was got performance out of people. It was just firing in all cylinders to me. And, you know, I, I like the buildup of Skeeve, um, even though I'm not, I wasn't really like, or Skeer, excuse me, Skeeve, 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 Skeer. Uh, I thought Skeer, yeah, <laughs> right, right. No, but I thought Skeer was a really interesting character, and I can't wait to get into him um, eventually here. Wait, wait, no, Tim, you said it's Skeen, right? Yeah. Skeen, oh my God. Isn't Skeer the Trandoshan Jedi from the High Republic? God damn it! God damn, you're right. <laughs> See, this is this is too much. But 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 um, but skiing yeah, is skier and skiing and sheave. And... Uh, yeah, this is too much. This is too much, guys. Um, but no, but but, but skiing is is one of those characters where I I liked how they they built him up. But I I it's funny because like I I like the character. Like I like where we end with him, obviously a little bit. But I will say it does feel. I, he there's some holes in his plot a little bit to be honest i feel like it was a little bit too like oh guess what this guy's really the traitor like he's really a traitor or he's really, he's really you know turn you know whatever but i'm like why would he be there in the first place if that was the case because he's risking his life like he has no like you know what i mean well, like, i think the reward was risk, yeah, worth the risk for him yeah he's risking his life for a lot of money i think it was an interesting twist because you know they're all suspicious of cassian because they're yeah. like who's this guy like oh, that's you true kind of yeah. pulled him out of nowhere we don't know who he is we don't know if we can trust him but you don't really know how the rest of them came together and like they all tell cat you know you find out bits of their own various backstories and stuff but it's like 
we don't know you guys that well either. How do we know Cassian can trust you? Um, so yeah, I was, I was not surprised that one of them turned out to be, you know, in it for the money, but like, I thought, you know, it, it still made sense. It was a good twist. No, but it didn't, it's for me, it was, a, it was a decent twist, but it, it still feels doesn't complete the way he tells it. I don't know because here's the problem guys. He doesn't know who he can trust either. Right. I think maybe that's what the problem was because it, it just seems like he's risking his life for a lot of money for something that he could maybe do that with, but like he doesn't, he doesn't know the end game with, you know what I mean? Like the people he's with at the time before a casting shows up, he, he can't trust them. So it's like, he just did it all for nothing. I don't know. It just, there is a little bit of, there's some holes in his game and like any telling that I, I buy it. I like it. There is some holes there for me. I understand that whole idea. That's not what I'm talking about. Cause he doesn't, you know, he, he's like, Oh, I can't fly this, but you can like, no one can fly. He was the only one, and they almost did it without him. So it, there is. Well, it wasn't some that it that wasn't logic. that no one. It wasn't that no one could fly. It just happened. It just so happened that Cassian was more familiar with that model of ship than they were, because they had somebody well, else who they were planning on flying it, and Cassian was like, "Oh wait, that's how you're going to do it? No, like I'm flying. I'm taking over this because I know it better than you do." Yeah, and but that they ended needed up working out for them. Obviously, I I don't know. I it just it seemed like there was. It just seemed like there was a little bit he, – he was risking a lot for his whole life for that, but it just seemed like if he was really truly like that, I don't think he'd be in that kind of a game. But maybe that's – I don't know. That Again, I buy into it. I just don't think – it's a little weak. It's a little weak in my opinion. It's a little bit a little bit, little bit holes. But despite despite that, I thought that whole ending with, with Cassian when he shoots him was – it just kind of – again, you're, you're informing – what's going on because you know because here's the thing with Cassian is that he'll do it you know he, every time he does it he's getting closer and closer to like you know like that whole idea of like it always haunts him when he when he has to kill someone like and we see that that echo in Rogue One right you see it in the first episode right it establishes you know this sets him off in the path right the the path of being hunted and then when he kills Skeen and he, he bolts What's that going to mean for him? What is that? Because there's going to be a there's going to be a payoff. Because you know what, Luthen's probably going to find him and say, you know, you could be trusted. You killed this guy. Like we figured it out. Like he he did have like you know a ship based in his name in this planet, and you did you you called him out. You did the right thing. You will do the right thing when needed to. But these deaths will keep they keep pushing him on to these these new trajectories. And it's interesting because what does that mean for when he doesn't want to kill? Um. Uh, uh. Oh my gosh! What's his name? Um, Galen. Galen. I couldn't remember his name. In Rogue One, like there, I, I think it's building to this because I think he's gonna say like, I don't like killing. It's not something I like to do. And I think you're seeing that he just knows like he can't, you know, like like scheme like he can't live. Like that guy is a he's going to portray them, and he knows like, if he doesn't do it, then it's gonna haunt him. Just like just like how he kills the guy in the alley in rogue one that tony gilroy wrote in after the you know the the initial um you know uh, edit from gareth edwards he's really emphasizing the, the the fact that 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 cassian like will take matters in his own hands and he will do it but he, he's reluctant but he knows when he has to do it he'll he, he won't hesitate either and i, I just like that aspect because you could see him like he kills him and he's like i need to get out of here i, I just got to go like he doesn't want to stick yeah. around he's like i'm out and it's yeah, also and too, I, just how it well, go ahead, it, how it goes into his line at the end of Rogue One, how he's doing all this like 
bad stuff because he knows he has to. And at the end, it'll mean something where, or if it doesn't succeed, it would all been for nothing. Where in this case, they went through all this stuff. And if this guy, if Skeen goes through what he wants to do, he knows everything they went through, the people they already lost and the money that they got would, would all would have been for nothing. Yep. And yep. just like mm-hmm. how he had to kill the guy in the alley, if he wouldn't, the storm, he would have got taken to custody with stormtroopers. He kind of probably would have revealed stuff. Everything he done would have been for nothing. So you just know he has to make the hard choices to make sure the missions that he's on succeeds. And this is like his first, I think, big step in doing that, or his first That's time having point. to do that. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, also, I don't know if you guys read it this way, but and I'd have to go back and watch it again. But this was kind of my first impression watching it for the first time. Is Cassian seems to kind of like when he kills him. He seems to kind of freak out a little bit, like almost like shooting him is like a knee jerk reaction. Um, Absolutely. To me, it was almost agree with that. Well, yeah. And it was almost like, see, here's my thing. I think Cassian was kind of conflicted. And I think there was part of him that was tempted and wanted to take the money and run. Yeah. And that him killing Skeen was kind of like, it was kind of like doing the the right thing and saving the crew, but it was also like wanting to sort of remove that temptation from himself and just kind of like freaking out because he wasn't sure what to do in the moment. Because um, he because he's still not like fully committed to the cause, right? Like at the end, he's like, "I'm you know, I'm going to take my cut. I want to go home. I want to leave. Like I did what I was paid to do, and I don't want any more part of this." And we know, of course, but that he's going like, to be drawn. It's like one of those things where like he might not know it yet, but deep down, like. The, the cause is what's really important to him or what will become yeah. right. like right yeah. right the and i think i think that, that i think that definitely is part of it but i also almost think that scares him because yeah i can see that too. again if yeah. if he was fully committed to it you would think first of all you didn't need to kill him you could have shot him in the leg or you could have knocked him out and tied him up and just told everybody what he did um but like but it goes you know, into your knee-jerk reaction comment, though, Kyle. I think that's the thing. I think you're right. I think he. I think he just was like he heard it, and he was not. I think temptation was there somewhat, but I think he just was like it, it was so much for him to take. He just it was a reaction, and I don't think I think he was freaking out because he was like I did it again, like just like how he did it to the other guy. He's like he just flipped out because he knew like crap, this guy's dead. Like it's going to be a problem. I got to end the problem, and it's kind of like the same thing. I think you. I think you hit the nail on the head on this one. Well, no, but again, like, I think if he was fully committed to the cause and his entire mentality was like, no, this is wrong. I can't let you do this. He probably would have said something like that, right? He probably would have, like, been, he probably would have looked a little more resolute, you know, pulled his gun and maybe even said something like, no, I can't let you do that before killing him or something like that. As opposed to kind of just freaking out and, like, you know, cutting him off mid-sentence and just pulling his gun and shooting him. I think there was a lot going on in his head of, like, do I you know, do I uh, go with him and take the money? Do I do the honorable thing and not do that and stay with these guys? And do I tell them that he's planning to do this? Do I kill him? Do I stop him? Like, what do I do? And it's almost like in the, you know, he, he kind of freaks out and kills him just to like get himself out of that situation. Um, in addition to part of him also doing it because it's the right thing to do it because he's stopping him from, from betraying the crew. But that was kind of, my interpretation of it is that even his motivations in that moment were kind of muddied a little bit and he's, you know, still maybe not quite sure where he stands. Um, but obviously it was clear enough that he stands in opposition to steam because he's not going to steal from the group and he goes and tells them. Um, 
but yeah, I just thought that was uh, a you know an interesting sort of moral dilemma because again, that's sort of how I read that that he was doing it to do the right thing, but was still maybe even not quite sold on the right thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was an interesting way to end it. I think I liked your depiction of him freaking out because he was he was frantic, and I I, I did like that realism because it's too often you have like the cocksure like. Yeah, man, I just killed someone. What's up? Like Han Solo, right? Like Han. Yeah. Or like have some like cheesy one-liner afterwards or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there's, there is something, or you know what I mean? Like there is that yeah. confidence. There's like, he's so BA that like, yeah, nothing ever phases him. I love the realism of Cassian. And I think that's, again, I go back to Rogue One because that whole scene where he kills that guy, like he doesn't want to do it and it affects him, but he'll do it. But it, like, there is that realism like of someone like, man, I have to do this. It sucks. And that, I love that knee-jerk reaction idea. Like it is because I, I love the reaction from um, from Diego Luna because it does give you – there's so much confliction. There's so much on his face and his movements that I never even looked at it as like a – it's a knee-jerk reaction. But I thought like he's like, I'm going to kill you. But I like I love your depiction and idea of that, Kyle, of like him being so conflicted in his head like it was like, this is too much. I got to end it because of multiple reasons. I love that, that complexity that he has because he, he does have that. He owes people money. You, you see it in that third, again, one of the benefits of watching that third episode, guys, I always forget that like, he owes people money. He has to go back home and pay mm-hmm. and, and, you know, check on Merva, but also to pay back his people. And he, and he's an honorable person because he wants to do that. Like he could just, you know, he probably could just skip out of town. You know, but he's got people breathing down his neck and whatever, and people like him. But he knows he he still has some honor in him that he's going to go back and use that money to pay off what he owes. It's it's again really really interesting like um, storytelling what they're doing here because he will do what he needs to do. But there is that temptation. He is not a full blown rebel at this point, but he's kind of dabbled into it, and and you see that side of him that he's he sees it. And you also think about this too. He's seeing the empire in a different way. Like he already has seen like different aspects, and you know he doesn't like him, whatever. But he went in and got to see like for real, like what the government, you know, what they have and everything, and then what he, what damage they can do as a team. And I think that's going to pay, you know, help pay dividends for everything because I, for all we know, uh, the Rebel Alliance, you know, Cassian Andor could be a pivotal part that we more, more than we realize in Luthen and Mon Mothma, like it very much could be like, he could be not necessarily one of the head people, but he's one of the, the what's the word, a cog in the wheel, right? And a very important cog where it's, he's not the, he's not like the main leader, like, like a football team, right? Or a sports team. Oh yeah. We, we, well, we all sure, know the, in Rogue One, I think Mon Mothma introduces him as like the captain of rebel intelligence or something like that. Or at oh, least a go. captain, or at least a captain in their uh, in their intelligence captain division. And and think, intelligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and even in, um, I think it's in one of the visual guides or something that they said that he had the title of fulcrum at one point. Um, so yeah, clearly, he, he and did. yeah, he did in in the rebel machine. But yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe he could be. Um, we could find out that he's kind of involved in more things or knows more people maybe than we know of just from seeing him in Rogue One. But, um, yeah, so it was, you know, it was interesting dynamics among that team that they, you know, kind of built up over those first two episodes. But let's talk about the actual heist uh, and the eye in um, in episode six. Um, 
And first of all, I mean, before we talk about the, you know, just sort of the the characters and the heist and stuff, um, the main thing I want to touch on is just the visual splendor of that that sequence um, of the the eye, the actual event, you know, the the meteor shower or whatever that is. It was one of those things that they first mentioned it in episode four. And just from hearing it the first time, like, you know, like, oh, that's going to be spectacular to see when we finally get to see that. And we had seen a couple quick glimpses of it in the um, in like the trailers. Um, there were a couple shots of Cassian flying the ship and you see all these meteors streaking overhead and stuff. But when they talked about how it was like this important, culturally significant event for the people of that planet and just, uh, you know, how how everybody wanted to stand around and watch it. And so that would be like the perfect cover for them to, uh, to enter the base. It was like, Oh man, so we're going to see something special. Um, and it was just a perfect sort of juxtaposition between all the, the tension in the episode. And, you know, you're on the edge of your seat wondering like, who's going to make it out. And, um, you know, if this heist is going to go off successfully and then as they're escaping this, gorgeous it was like the the northern lights combined with fireworks combined with like the biggest meteor shower you've ever seen in your life um and on top of that in the middle of it all you have their transport ship being chased by tie fighters and i've said this before too like tie fighters have never looked or sounded as good as they have in this show um and it's kind of like what i talked about too with the stormtroopers how like it's something that we kind of just take for granted in star wars and we've seen a bunch of times we don't really consider them to be that threatening and we've seen them get cut down left and right um but when they show up in this show like if if the way that the tie fighters are done is any indication i think the stormtroopers are going to be really cool too because you know how many x-wings have we seen shoot down tie fighters and it's just i mean tie fighters have always like looked cool and sounded cool but it's just kind of like yeah the empire you're gonna have a bunch of tie fighters they just kind of are there um but this show, even from like the first couple episodes of this arc, when they're out on the planes and you have like that one TIE fighter that's yeah. on patrol that keeps flying overhead. And every time it's like a fantasy movie when they're hiding from a dragon flying overhead or something like you see it coming off in the distance and then it comes screaming in with this this terrifying roar. And, and you know, you it flies overhead and you hope that it didn't see you. Um, even that was a really cool depiction of it. And then when you get the three of them in this episode and see you know, just that sequence of like the pilots jumping down into the cockpits and then them taking yep. off and just streaking off into this meteor shower to, to chase after their ship. It was, it's definitely, I think safe to say my favorite TIE fighter sequence in Star Wars. Maybe not my favorite sequence involving TIE fighters because, you know, just you got scenes like the trench run and stuff that are just all time classics. But as far as just sound and visuals and actually being invested in like, oh man, that TIE fighter is really cool. Like that was, I don't think they've ever been, uh, I don't think those ships have ever been better represented on screen than they were here. Yeah, my favorite moment was a simple one where you just see the TIE fighter pilot get into their cockpit and ignite the engines and take off because we've seen rebel pilots get into X-wings and Y-wings and launch from their bases. But to finally see that live action with a TIE fighter and their cool helmets and their cool gear, this taking off it looked awesome and then going into that really cool sequence the only thing that um, hampers it a little bit i mean it would have been cool if it was actually going into like a dogfight sequence and taking some of their uh, enemy ships down but we kind of knew going in that this is such a 
rare event that happens that was going to be hard to navigate and they were more than likely going to crash their ships and get blown up but that's exactly what happened but understandably so given the conditions of this you know phenomenon that's going on on the planet but other than that like you said just a great visual sequence and as you mentioned the sound too i'm glad you mentioned those early episodes because it was just hearing that sound of the tie fighter engines roar over the mountains and in the sky just this brings a smile to your face when you hear it. <laughs> like you said, they're just freaking out whenever they hear one approaching. It just really adds to that tension. And then you see it culminates to seeing them here trying to take him down as they're trying to make their escape. I think they got a few blaster shots in on their ships, but um, they were still able to escape as we knew they would. But it's like you said, a great sequence here. Um, the only thing I wish it was longer because it just looked that beautiful. To, no kidding, dude. Yeah, just yeah, I, I could have watched that. that sequence for the whole episode right for sure yeah, it was really like could have almost like those things man we're just getting such a great like not even a space sequence but just an action sequence a flight action sequence in star wars that we never got before and it's just blowing you away the idea of of correlate like of, of commencing the heist with that was such a genius idea it's it, it's a it's a it's a trope a motif right but it was so genius because you got to see like the uh, I want to say this is the first, you know, we had the ind- indigenous people, if a little bit, um, uh, or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, is that right? Like the local, the local people of the planet? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, th- we got to see the indigenous people of that planet and not in a very like high tech way. And they're humans, right? We haven't really seen that too often. And we got that obviously with Cassian's people. And I like the idea that there's more, like less technical technology less technology based planets like endor that aren't just you know aliens they're actual like humans right i like mm-hmm. that we're, we're we're going into that idea that there's so many planets out there that and again like it, it kind of adds credence to the fact of like jedis and things like that like i could see where people don't believe that stuff because the, the, the galaxy is so goddamn yeah, big you know that's a great point yeah you can kind of believe in like them thinking of the Jedi just being legends. <laughs> yeah. And even, even and, so far removed from Order 66. Right. And so you think about this. You can think about all different people in a whole universe and galaxy or whatever, right? And the whole fact of like, if it's to say, you know, if Sheev comes in and takes out all the Jedi and in the next generation, you 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 plug that in, like, yeah, all the inner planets like Coruscant and all those big, you know, the, the big wig people, they'll remember. But, th- but think about that. They're just a small microcosm of the entire, you know, everyone else is going to be like, oh, what happened? Like, you know, once once one generation, like, forgets and talks about it or doesn't or kind of hears about it, like, it goes even deeper than that. So it's just, it's really is, it really shows you how just how much, how much the deep or how deep the planets and or the people are of the Star Wars universe and how it's not just Ewoks who are, you know, not technology based. It's all kinds of planets and people. It's, I mean, we, we see that in the Tolls and, you know, and, and, but like seeing the human side of it, it was really interesting. And I love the lead guy and I, he was, he was good, but he also, I kept thinking, did they get Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad? Like, is this him? Like, I kept thinking, like, this is guy. He looks like literally, like, like oh, he not, did, yeah, 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 dude. I, I, guys, I'm not lying to you. I'm like, that has to be Brian Cranston, or it's either his brother Ryan Cranston or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, it, it looks so much like him. I kept being like, 
like is this like a, a secret like that he, he flew in for this like he was bored and I'm like yeah COVID sucks I'm gonna go to England and see this shoot this really awesome scene in, in, in Andor you know I don't know um but no it, I, I just I thought it was really well done um the tension was great um I just I thought you know this is where I think you you have the performances really come out and they just they, everyone nailed it man like I thought the tension was building I the one time the heights I wasn't I didn't really like was when like guy shows up like, what's going on here and the guy's like, turn around, classified mission, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, come on. Don't, that, that, that's like, that's like the, that's, I, I understand he was trying to buy time and, and at that moment. Yeah. You're going, I you're mean, going to like, it was worth a try. I know, I, I get it, but it was, it's also a little bit like, really? You guys, you guys wrote that in? Come on. Come on. That's just me. But other than that, I think, I think other than, other than that, I think the whole thing was perfect. Um, I, again, I, I, I rewatched it the other day. I, I watched it, you know, on Sunday by itself. And I was like, God damn, this is great. This is so good. Like, again, I, I think the one thing that I, I really learned from, I'm learning from, from Cassie and Andor or Cassie Andor series as a whole is less is more. And I think so. And, and I know when you, we have that, there's, there's a tendency to really emphasize the less is more. Whereas this is a lot more subtle, I think. So when you see the TIE fighters, they mean business mm-hmm. when they, when they swoop down, you hear, and this is a whole, the whole three episodes. Right. And I think we got that a little bit in the first, the first three, but the, you know, four through six, you really are emphasized the sound of those tie fighters. They mean something. So when they show up and they're being chased, it is like, it's, just, it's, it's, I don't know. They do a great job of really having it be having it matter. So I think when we see the real empire show up, it's going to matter. It's going to be big. And it's going to mean something. And I think that's that's the one thing they've done a good job of. Right now, the Empire seems like a bugaboo. And like almost, it's almost like they're the boogeyman to these little people. And then like, there's like, you know, kind of, it's almost like in levels, right? You have like the, the stormtroopers and the, and the TIE fighters. They're the boogeyman of like little people. People who have the, have the power, their boogeymans are obviously the, the Grand Moff Tar, you know, the Grand Moff. There's the, the Moffs. There's... And then obviously the people who are power of like uh, supernatural power, there's Darth Vader. You know, it's it's everyone has their own bugaboo, and there's certain levels you get to. And I love the fact that they're really emphasizing on the bugaboo of normal Empire troopers and Tie fighters because right now it is seem seeming like seemingly like they're a big deal at this point, which I think is a good thing for I think Star Wars to have the Empire have to be a legit threat. Well, I think one other thing that is kind of another layer that was added to this by not having stormtroopers yet, but having all these Imperial troops in the base that are all either in officer uniforms or like wearing kind of like the, the armor that Han was wearing on Mimban, like where it's it's got like the chest plate and everything and then the helmet with like the open face and the goggles um, is it helps humanize the Empire too. And I made this point, I think I was talking to my sister after we watched the episode and I was saying like, if this was an episode of like even if this was Rogue One or if it was an episode of Rebels or something like that, it would have been a base full of stormtroopers and the good guys would have just gone in guns blazing and nobody would have thought much of it. But the fact that not only does the one guy have his family there, but like all the Imperial officers and and all the Imperial troops in the base, like you see their faces and we've seen storylines even, you know, with the ISB and stuff where we're kind of seeing their side of the story a little bit and seeing who they are as people. And of course they're on the bad side, but 
you know, I think the audience would have reacted a little bit differently to seeing the good guys run in and just gun all these guys down. And I think you see that with, um, you know, with Cassian's crew. I don't know if we should call them the rebels at this point because, you know, we don't know if if these guys are part of some rebel cell or, you know, again, what sort of the state of like the rebel alliances at this point, but um, the, the crew that's clearly our good guys in the, in this episode, they go in, you know, they take hostages, they knock people out. Um, and of course, once the shootout starts, they're shooting people, but like, they're not just going in and executing everybody in the base. Cause you know, they have a higher moral standard than that. Um, whereas on the reverse, I think the empire wouldn't quite have the, uh, the same hesitancy about that, but I just thought it was interesting to see, because again, we're so used to seeing people just running guns blazing and, and blasting down stormtroopers, but to see all these, you know, these human faces in the base and think, okay, what's the stakes here? What's the sort of the collateral, like, what are, what lines are they willing to cross? And again, you know, we see them do some questionable things, you know, they're, they're taking innocent hostages, they're holding people at gunpoint, um, but we don't see them, you know, executing anybody in cold blood. Um, and I but, think, I, I think that's a lot more effective when it's not just a bunch of faceless troopers. Yeah. But even watching this entire sequence, even though like there are protagonists in this story, when they were like going through the base, taking hostages and everything, you almost got that feeling where it's like, man, it's like, it's, you don't know who to root for here because as you said, having, seeing the faces of the people that are taking hostage. I mean, one of them's a child <laughs> and mm -hmm. they blindfold him. They take him hostage. And even I believe Vel was saying, you know, we don't want to hurt or kill anyone, but if we go down, you're going down with us type of thing. Oh, and, I mean, they, yeah. They, they keep, yeah, they keep threatening to kill him. And again, it's one of those examples of seeing the rebels and the, the characters that we know as the good guys and seeing this gray area and seeing yeah, the it's... lines that they have to cross for their cause and it's like you know in order to stand up to this huge imperial machine like you're gonna have to do some unsavory things and get your hands dirty because like they're not gonna play fair exactly yeah i love seeing that stuff and again stuff kind of new and expected going into it because i was even hinted at in rogue one and now that we're actually seeing it in action in here it was just great to see where yeah like the rebels or this group right here they're our protagonists here but they're you know they're not gonna be doing everything by the book as far as making sure everyone gets out alive or type of thing and um, showing mercy to their enemies if they, if they have to, or in this case, if it came to it, they probably wouldn't. So it was just, you know, some refreshing to see again of the side of the rebellion. And I've seen some of speculation about how Cinta at the end where she's left behind on the planet and she was in the room with all the hostages and some speculators going, man, do you think she actually let those hostages live? Like, would she allow them to live and know who she is as she tries to make her escape? Or did she possibly execute mm. them? I mean, that could go into pretty dark places um, if she question. did decide to do that. Oh, I didn't think about that. Damn. Yeah, that's, yeah. Something could, that's, something, that's something we could get an answer to in future episodes, too, as we continue to kind of see the fallout from this. Yeah, well, because... Good, we good. should be seeing her again because there's that shot from the trailer where you see her looking at the sky and the Star Destroyer flies over over her on the planet. So, oh, okay. That doesn't seem like we're done on Aldani just yet. Yeah, Dude, I didn't realize I, that was her in that shot in the trailer. But let's be real. Yeah. Let's be real here, here, though, guys. Aldani trilogy, am I right? Seriously. Right. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like, I and give me these arcs, baby. Seriously. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely a great trilogy, you know, two good first couple episodes of just like tension building and, um, 
kind of setup and getting to know these characters that were going to be involved in this heist. We didn't even talk about the one guy. And again, I forget his name, but he kind of became sort of a fan favorite. The the younger guy that was talking about his, Tiny Tim. his yeah, yeah the, the guy that was talking about his manifesto and stuff and talking about the sort of the, the philosophical differences between the, the rebels and the empire and the ways that the empire controls people and what they have to do to fight against it. So like that was, that was interesting just seeing, you know, kind of differences of, of perspectives and, and um, I don't know, different ways that people kind of cope with, with living under the empire. And then everybody's kind of different goals and reasons for being on this team. Um, I'm definitely excited to go back and watch it. Like even just talking about it now with you guys, like I said, I'm loving Andor, but there's just been so much other stuff to be excited about right now, especially with even like postseason baseball on too now. And it's like, it's not one of those things where, cause like with Mandalorian, by the time we get on and record, I've watched the episode like three times already. Um, oh, I know. You, with, you yeah. stayed up with, all night watching it three times. No, I've watched yeah, it yeah, once. But you know what? If I, if I were to stay up and watch it three times in a row in one night, I would not be on my phone once through those three episodes. That's oh, you, 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 you messed up, Paul. You gave me ammunition. I'm not letting this one go. Um, uh, two, two Capricorns going at it. I love it. Yeah, I man. Just, it. Oh, <laughs> episode, episode comes out on Wednesday, and you wait till Friday to watch it, and you're looking at your phone half the time. And you've but got one time, once or twice, once or twice, once or twice. That's not every okay. episode. Anyway, anyway, uh, anyway. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Um, move on, move along. But yeah, so it's it's. Um, I forget what it is even talking. Oh no, so I'm I'm excited to go back and watch these again. Um, and even just you know just talking about it with you guys has made me want to go back and kind of view it as as one cohesive story. And I've been meaning to anyways. I just haven't gotten around to no, it yet. Trust but. me, when you when you, when you do it, Kyle, you will be like, okay, like I, these for me. When I watched it on Friday, I sat down and I did not grab my phone. Thank you very much um, for this. And I mean that. I sat down, I watched all of it, and it was a blast. I, I got to tell you, I, it really does flow better, I think, altogether. So I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are when you text us or when you tell us on here, whatever that is. I, I can't wait to hear because I think you're going to be like, okay, I love this now. Yeah. And I think going forward, you know, once the season's over and, you know, I'm sure I'll rewatch it in, at some point and I probably will rewatch it just in each of these three episode arcs. Um, and yeah, like I, it's weird. Cause like I said, I like that storytelling structure, but it almost makes me wish that we could just binge those three episodes and then you don't have to deal with the, the people that are, you know, sort of complaining about it being boring every week or whatever. And, and look, I mean, some of that is fair criticism. Like it's not going to work for everybody. Um, I'm enjoying it, but you know, there's, there's been weeks where I watch it and I'm like, okay, that was a good episode. I'm, I'm, it's not action packed. That's reality. Well, yeah. Well, not only not action packed, it's just not, you get a lot of tension and build up and then not a huge payoff. And you know that when you get that payoff, it's going to be really good, but you're still just kind of waiting for that to happen. Um, it's just sort of like an episode of the week kind of adding to the, the to the ongoing story, helping build some tension towards a big, uh, not you know season finale, but like finale for for that part of the story that they're telling. And then when once you get that, that's the the really satisfying payoff. Um, and yeah, I think the difference is like it's just taking a lot more time with the story because if this was the Mandalorian, this entire Aldani heist would have been one episode, not three episodes, and we wouldn't have had all the stuff with Mon Mothma and the ISB and all that kind of stuff going on at the same time, and we wouldn't have gotten to know each of the characters quite so intimately like there wouldn't have been as much time spent building up like backstories and stuff it would have just been like here's the backstory here's the characters here's the mission and like the last 
20, you know, that would have been like the first 10 minutes of the episode. And then the last 20 minutes would have been the heist. Um, so it's just a more, uh, you know, more methodical approach. Um, it definitely is slower paced, but it's, I mean, it's doing some things that no other Star Wars series is doing just sort of in its, its approach and its world building. And it's, it's fleshing out characters and making them feel really real and grounded. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. I can't wait to see uh, where we're going the second half of the season. I just hope that now that we're at the halfway point that it kind of starts building momentum a little bit more and that these next six episodes aren't like two separate three-episode arcs, but that there is a little bit of continuity and that it it continues to build on the stories that have come before. But I think we're already headed in that direction because, again, we're already seeing that a little bit now. We're still seeing some carryover from the first three episodes with the the ISB agents still like arguing over their jurisdiction and the, the one security guy that's back home with his mom. And like, we're still seeing fallout with some of those characters. And so I think all of that is going to continue to roll into the second half of the season. And obviously there's going to be some fallout from this Aldani incident. I think Cassian is going to be, uh, you know, maybe popping up on the Imperial radar a little bit more. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Really enjoyed these three episodes and can't wait to see uh, just how it continues to to grow and expand and, and push and develop this story uh, into the second half. Plus, we got clone troopers and death troopers on the way. So, you know, the best. That is true. Yeah, half. I'm still <laughs> like, because we haven't seen the stormtroopers yet. I'm like, are we still going to be seeing like, is there maybe like, I, I would assume all the clones are phased out by this point, but are there still maybe like maybe the lowest rung of stormtroopers, like the new recruits or whatever, are they still wearing I, old clone armor or are I those still think we're getting another like, flashback. I I, yeah. I would flashback. assume so too. Um, yeah. And I think that would like, I'm hoping that's the case. I think that would be really cool to see. But at this point I'm like, wait, when are we getting that clone trooper flashback? We're like halfway through the season. now, So I don't know. We'll see. No. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, that, as we're, as great as I think this first half was, even despite the slow burn, I think, the best is still yet to come story-wise as well, because you know, Saw Gerrera is going to be involved with this. I'm not sure if uh, Cassian is going to be much, because if you saw that clip in the trailer with him talking to Luthien, but still to see more of Saw Gerrera and his rebel cell, I think it's going to be awesome to dive more into how they operate. And we still got that sequence of, I, I don't think this is a flashback, but we'll see with Cassian kind of in that, um, that Imperial prison. Um, so I think that's probably going to be a whole arc in itself. Um, at least a couple of episodes, maybe two out of the three, something like that. Um, but yeah, just a lot of stuff from that trailers that we haven't gotten yet that looked really cool as we were seeing those trailers and wondering how those episodes are going to be. And we still have uh, quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of footage that we haven't seen yet in those trailers. That I think going to make up with some pretty cool episodes in the second half. No, I, I just <laughs> want to say really quick. My last parting thoughts are. I, I really love the series. Um, it's not what I want to have every Star Wars series, but uh, episode, go watch episodes four through six all in a row. Go do it. You won't regret it. It's again, it's maybe under an hour and a half. I think of pure content. It's it is, it, but it does. It's a it is a great like little movie in my opinion. And I think that's what, and that's why I want these. I want them to release these things as as one because they're it's it's a really it's fun. It's a, it's a great, great, great little three episodes. So yeah, I love it. I love what we're getting, and I think it's just gonna get better. And I, and I just hope. But I hope people don't be like, "This is what it always needs to be." And uh, no one likes Star Wars because Obi Wan and Book of Boba Fett ruined it. Like, shut up! Like, just shut that crap up. 
yeah, yeah you got to embrace the variety just embrace the variety yes, exactly yes Thank definitely you. um and yeah not everybody's gonna enjoy everything if you come to star wars just for the the fast-paced action and lightsaber battles and stuff and this is not quite your speed like that's totally fine just don't dunk on other people for what they do or don't enjoy um but I'm certainly looking forward to, to the second half of the season and getting to talk with you guys about our thoughts on uh, on these next coming episodes, as well as Tales of the Jedi. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so that'll probably be our next episode. Like I said, I'm not sure when we're going to jump on here and record it, um, but hopefully we can squeeze it in like next week after those episodes come out. Um but uh, before we head out, uh, Tim, did we get any emails or like responses on Twitter or anything like that to read? Um, not for these episodes. I think everyone's still enthralled with the eye. They just still look it up in the sky. <laughs> Probably. Well, and you know what? That even goes to, too, like, you know, like we talked about kind of the, the lack of engagement, because I know you put out a question saying, hey, what did everybody think of episodes four through six? And I don't know, maybe everybody's moved on to you know, they're, they're rewatching the last episode of house of the dragon right now or something like that. But, um, hopefully, hopefully you guys are all enjoying it as much as we are. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back to talk about, uh, tales of the Jedi with you guys. In the meantime, you can, uh, you know, follow us on social media on Twitter at star Wars TSC and, uh, just look up Facebook. Uh, just find star Wars. The saga continues on Facebook. Uh, you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com and check out our website at starwarstsc.com for all of the latest episodes and news stories and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, that's going to do it for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Wait, do that one more time, because I don't know if you just like blew out your speaker from yelling too loud <laughs> or just cut out from your internet, but we got about two syllables of that. Ah, uh, so yeah. Okay, do it quieter, because I think you're yelling too loud for your internet connection to handle. <laughs> That's not fun. <laughs> uh, Alright, let me try again. Godspeed Rebels. <laughs> <laughs>